Let's take our Bibles tonight. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 for this evening. Matthew chapter number 6. Really my desire for us tonight is to, uh, for all of us to leave this evening encouraged. I want to encourage you. If, you, if you're into titles or taking notes, uh, the title of the message tonight is Finding Comfort. Uh, maybe in a broader sense, you can say Finding Comfort in Serving Christ. And I understand that much of what I'm going to be telling you tonight or sharing with you from the Word of God it isn't really going to be breaking news to many of us. I understand that much of what I'm going to say tonight and much of what we're going to read in God's Word is, a fam- is really familiar with us. It's a familiar passage. But oftentimes we can get busy in the Christian life. We can get busy doing and doing and doing and doing. That sometimes we just need to hear from the words of the Lord himself the comfort we need to keep going. The comfort we need to keep pressing on, to keep serving, to keep giving, to keep loving. And so in Matthew chapter number 6 tonight... Uh, we'll begin our reading in verse 25. You just follow along, and I'll, I'll take us all the way to the end of the chapter. Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 25. The Bible says this, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they, for neither, <clears throat> for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are ye not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray as we open the message. Lord, so thankful tonight for this opportunity Uh, to be in church. Thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of your people. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the music and the worship we're able to be involved in already. Lord, I pray it challenged our hearts. Lord, I pray that uh, we're we're prepared for this moment in the the service where we get to open up your word and hear more from you. And Lord, I pray for the next few minutes that you would use uh, your word to challenge our hearts, that it wouldn't be my wisdom or my truth, Lord, that's that's, uh, being conveyed, Lord, but that you'd use me, speak through me today. Lord, I pray if there's anyone sitting in this auditorium, Lord, that finds themselves struggling. Maybe they've been in a rut recently, or they're just going through the motions, or they don't really have a reason to carry on. Lord, that you would give them the comfort that they need uh, to go through this Christian life in a way that's honoring to you. Lord, bless us this evening. In your name we ask it. Amen. I understand this evening, really, that at the core of being the Christian you ought to be, at the core of of following God, at the core of growth, at the core of maturity, at the core of a thriving believer is really, really comes from our, our, our obedience to God. That if we're going to be the Christian we ought to be, if we're going to grow as we ought to be and be mature as we ought to be, it really stems from how we obey him. 
we're not going to be Christians or believers that is honoring in the Lord's sight if we don't know how to obey him. And so at the essence of our growth, at the essence of, uh, of, of, of being faithful, really stems from our obedience to God. But with that said, I understand this. That sometimes obedience can be tough. I understand that at times obedience can be difficult. And not because it's hard to obey God, but sometimes what God calls us to do, where he calls us to go, how much he calls us to give is hard. I know that. And, and, and oftentimes in a believer's life, we are standing at a crossroad where the desire to obey God is there, and yet the worries of obedience are also there. And we stand there and we think, who's going to win? Lord, I want to obey you. Lord, I know what you've called me to do. I know how much you want me to serve. I know where you want us to go. But Lord, you know my heart. You know that there's challenges ahead. You know that what you're asking of us is tough and it's difficult and it's, and it's daunting. And you know I'm nervous. And oftentimes in a believer's life, even in my own life, if I'm transparent with you, I find myself standing at this crossroads a lot. Where my desire, my motive is that I want to obey God. I want to be the believer he called me to be. And yet in my heart of hearts, I am worried of where this will take me. I'm worried of what lies ahead. I'm worried of what I'm called to sacrifice. So today, church, I really from Matthew chapter 6, I, I want to give you encouragement from the words of Jesus himself. Of, of yes, there is difficulty in obeying, of course. But can I, can I say this? That really the point of this message is the difficulty is there. But trust me, the fulfillment is waiting for you. That the reward is waiting for you. And oftentimes when we obey, we don't always get the fruit of that obedience right away. We don't always see the fruit of that obedience right away. But trust me, it's there. It's waiting for you. The Lord has called us to be obedient children. Can I say this and just be very transparent with you tonight? I remember when I was a kid... And I grew up in a very missions-minded church, and we would often have missionaries. And I was newly saved, like 9, 10, uh, 9 years old, and then 10, 11, you know, still figuring out what it meant to be a Christian, even as a young boy. And I remember missionaries would come, and they would stand here and present and preach, and I would look at them and say, wow, they must be so spiritual. They must never, ever struggle. <laughs> they, must, they must have this life all together. And can I say, now that I'm in that position, that is totally false. And you know that. I'm just like you. I, 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 I struggle just like anyone else. Uh, I complain just like anyone else. I, I go through the motions just like anyone else. And, 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 and now where God has called my family to, to be church planners, to, to go on deputation, to leave our home, to leave our family, to uproot ourselves. I don't say this to have a pity party, but can I say this? There's a lot of times where I struggle. There's a lot of times where I say, Lord, I know you've called me to do this, but what's the end goal? Lord, this is tough on us. This is tough on my family. This is hard on us. And I say that to say this. I know you go through those same moments. I know that sometimes where God calls us to go, it looks challenging. It looks difficult. Sure, if you ask your, your pastor or the staff, has there been a moment in their life where God has called them to do something and they knew that that would be extremely difficult? I'm sure they would say yes. 
You see, in Matthew chapter, really, 5, 6, and 7, what we read tonight, I see a little bit of that. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we know this is probably Jesus' most famous sermon. It's a long sermon, a loaded sermon. It's truth and principles. And, and really what Jesus is preaching in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, for many of the listeners, for many of his followers, even his followers that were in the crowd, it was like groundbreaking truth. It was, it was Jesus essentially saying, hey, this is how you've lived, but let me show you a better way. It, what, what Jesus was showing them in, this cha- in these chapters is, is what it looks like to be a true follower of Jesus. What it looks like to live a life after righteousness. What it looks like to, to, to essentially live like Jesus. And at the very end of this chapter, you don't need to turn there, but at the very end of this chapter, in Matthew chapter 7... Jesus gives them the parable of the wise man and the foolish man, which many of us are familiar with. And Jesus closes his message by saying this, that whosoever hears, that whoever hears the sayings of mine, these sayings, what are these sayings? Well, the sermon I just preached, everything you just heard, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them and doeth them, you're like a wise man that's built a house upon a rock. What's Jesus saying? Listen, if you obey me, if you follow after this blueprint I've set before you, if you just take heed to this message that I've preached to you, listen, your life is built on a rock and there's nothing that's going to shake you. And the trials and the wind and the waves and the difficulty is going to come, temptation is going to hit, but you're solid. Nothing's going to shake you. And then Jesus gives the flip side to that parable. He says, listen, but if you choose not to obey that, if you choose to build your life your own way and follow your own path and your own dreams, your own desires, and, and your own will, listen, your life is, on, is, is built on the sand. And it's going to crumble as soon as that difficulty hits. It's going to fall apart. So what's Jesus saying as he closes that chapter? Jesus is saying this. Hey, disciples, hey, listeners, if you just take everything you heard for the last three chapters and obey that, you'll be doing just fine. (laughs) If you just just follow everything I've told you, you're obeying me. That's great. What Jesus was doing was calling his listeners to a level of discipleship they had never experienced before. What Jesus was doing was calling his disciples to a level uh, uh, of obedience they had never had to experience before. He was stretching their faith more than ever before. He was was stretching them more than ever had to before. And Jesus says, listen, if you obey that, you'll be doing just fine in this life. Now, listen about this. I I don't know about you, but if I was a listener listening to Jesus speak that day, I would feel very nervous. I would feel very anxious. Say, Jesus, you want me to do all that? Jesus, you know who I am. I'm just a nobody. You want me to live like that? Listen, the desire to obey was there, but the worries of what followed were also there. They were standing at that crossroad. And so in Matthew 6, Jesus gives them the comfort to choose the obedience rather than fall away from him. And so tonight, very quickly, uh, I don't have much time, but very quickly, I want to share with you four truths that I find from this, uh, from this passage of finding comfort in obedience, finding comfort in serving God. So number one, I want you to see this. Jesus, number one, addresses their priorities to him. Their priorities to God is number one. 
I mentioned this, as I read this, I sense some anxiousness, some nervousness. Jesus calls out the disciples, actually. He says, you of little faith. I sense the disciples' heart is, is nervous. They want to follow him, but the, the worries are there. Understand that when Jesus called you as a follower and Jesus called these disciples, listen, they were nobodies. Jesus didn't call them because they were the high and the mighty, the wealthy, the, the one with, with prestige, the most spiritual. No, no. Jesus typically, when he, when he called his disciples, they were the outcasts. They were nobodies. But remember, remember that the call to follow God is to forsake all and follow him. So not just were they nobodies, they had nothing. And so Jesus takes a bunch of nobodies who had nothing and then calls them to live like Jesus. That's a daunting challenge, isn't it? Look at verse 25 once again. I know we read it, but let's look at it again. The Bible says this, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, about, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Listen, we love this verse. When I'm worried, when I have stresses in life, I read Matthew 6 and I'm reminded that Jesus tells us not to worry. Jesus tells us that he's got this under control and that, that he will take care of us. But understand that, you know, I had, the, I had the privilege of going to Bible college and I would love to say I remembered everything I learned, uh, but I, I don't remember everything I've learned. But one of the things I remember about Bible college is that anytime you see the word therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. And so when you see therefore, typically you read the passage before that, or so the verses before that, to kind of see what Jesus is linking in these passages. And look at the, the verses before that. Really, the passage before that, Jesus begins to address what they value. What's in their heart? Look at, look at verse uh, 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there, uh, there your heart will be also. Look at verse 21. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will lo uh, be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So in the passage before, Jesus addresses where their heart is. Because Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you value is what you will run to, is what someone, how someone put it. And so right off the bat, Jesus says, listen, disciples, listeners, you can't serve two masters. Your heart's only in one place, ever. And you deceive yourself when you think you can go through this life serving two different masters. It doesn't work that way. It's like in the Old Testament when Israel was on the fence about serving God and serving Baal. What God was trying to tell them was, listen, in essence, you choosing between the two of us, with you choosing to serve both, it's like you just forsaking me altogether. Jesus was saying, listen, you cannot serve God and mammon. You've got to choose one. And so what's, what's Jesus doing? He's addressing their priorities. Can I put it simply like this? Jesus was saying, am I number one in your life? Am I the king in your life? Jesus was telling them, why was Jesus being so black and white about the truth? Why was this such an emphasized thing for Jesus? Because the reality is this, church, that if the disciples wanted Matthew 5, 6, and 7 to be a reality in their life, it wasn't going to happen unless Jesus was their king. They weren't going to live this kind of discipleship. They weren't going to live out this kind of following if they were on the fence about who they were going to serve. It wasn't going to happen. And so Jesus right off the bat says, listen, if we're going to go forward, if we're going to keep moving, if you're going to be a true follower of me right now, you need to choose, am I number one in your life? 
And so church, as much as I want to, as much as we want to shine the spotlight on who Jesus was talking to in this present moment, I think it's appropriate if we shine the spotlight in our heart. And Jesus says, you, you, you got to choose. Is it going to be me? Is it going to be mammon? Is it going to be something else? Jesus was addressing their priorities. And can I ask you, church, is Jesus the priority of your life? Is he number one? See, when Jesus called them to live for him, this was a question that went deeper than actions. It went deeper than what man can see. What Jesus was trying to address was their heart. What Jesus was trying to address was, was, in, was in their inner man. Outwardly following God, watch this. Outwardly following God and outwardly obeying him is a byproduct of a believer who has made Jesus king in their hearts. That if we follow God truly and if we obey him truly, that's the result of what God is doing in here. And that's what Jesus was trying to get to them. So Jesus was challenging these disciples. Listen, disciples, am I number one? Am I the priority in your life? And so Jesus says in verse 24, you cannot serve God and mammon. It's an interesting statement. What is mammon? Well, I think in its most simple form, we could say maybe wealth, money, riches, Maybe in a broader sense, com- uh, comfort, uh, possessions. Jesus says, listen, you're going to spend your life serving that or it's going to be me. But can I take a moment and just pause in the message and say this, that I understand that the, the tension or the struggle between wanting mammon and wanting God is a true struggle in present day believers. It really is. It's present in my life. It's present, I'm assuming, maybe in your life as well. But can you imagine for a moment if we never had mammon, we never had money, we never had any possessions? Listen, that's a tough life. I think we see glimpses of that in our societies, in our world of people who have nothing, and that breaks our hearts. And so I I believe as Jesus was, was preaching this message, there were some in the crowd that day that were convicted in their heart of hearts because they knew they were chasing after mammon selfishly out of greed. But I think there are some in the crowd that day that as Jesus was preaching this message, they heard it, but they knew in their hearts they weren't chasing mammon out of greed. They were chasing it out of necessity. Listen, we just want riches not to be rich. We just want to survive. We just want to get through. And I think that's where many of us fall. Listen, you don't work your nine to five to be the next millionaire of North America. We work our jobs so we can provide for ourselves, our spouses, our families. You understand what, the, what these disciples were worried about? Jesus says, listen, don't worry about, and he doesn't list the luxuries of life. He lists necessities, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, and what you're going to eat. So these disciples weren't worried about being rich. They were just worried about living. And Jesus says, listen, you can't serve that and serve me at the same time. So number one, we see their priority to God. Number two, we're going to transition to this. Their provision from God. Their provision from God. So yes, Lord, we want to serve you. Yes, Lord, we want to obey you. But how are we going to provide? How is this going to happen? How are we going to get, how are are we going to live, Lord? Verse 25. I know we read it. Let's read it one more time. The Bible says this. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not the life more than food and the body more than clothing? Understand this, church, and I, I know Jesus, I, I know it's in there, uh, in that order for a reason. 
When we look at verse 25, we know that God promises to provide. He says, don't worry. Don't worry. Why? Because he's going to provide. But listen, can I say this? Before provision comes, in verse 24, he asks us, am I the priority? Sometimes in our life, we, we call on God. We read verse 25 and say, Lord, just provide for us. Lord, just give me what, what I need. Lord, you told me not to worry. Lord, you told me I can go forward and, and that you'll have it all ready and prepared for me. But understand, in Scripture, the provision doesn't come until we make him the priority. The provision doesn't come until God is first and foremost king of our life. That's what he says. He says, listen, you can't serve God and mammon. Choose who you will serve. And if Christ is number one, therefore, don't worry about those things. Therefore, take no thought for your life. Don't worry about that. We see their priority for God and we see their provision from God. You see, God, one, 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 one preacher put it this way, that Jesus is saying to them, listen, you take care of my business and I'll take care of yours. What Jesus was doing at this present moment was he was taking the care of these disciples and putting on his shoulder. He says, listen, that's not your responsibility. That's mine. I'll take care of you. Your, your provision comes from God. And what Jesus was trying to do in this passage of Scripture was trying to eliminate any fears these followers had that if they served him, they would be forsaken. That if they served him, they would be left hanging. Jesus is saying, listen, you serve me. You take that step of faith. And then you watch the provision come. And I think we believe those principles. But if you're like me, for a long time, I had those principles reversed. See, when God began working in my heart in 2019 about surrendering to go into in, in, to, to church planning, I remember praying. I said, Lord, I, I will do what you called me to do. I will take that step of faith. But before I do that, I need to make sure you're going to take care of it. And I gave him a whole list of things. <laughs> Show me this first. And then I promise I'll serve you with my life. And I mentioned earlier I struggled for months. That's why I struggled. I had my priorities out of order. And I remember reading Matthew 6, and the Lord said, no, 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 no. You have it all out of order. You take the step of faith. You obey me. And that list you have, don't worry about that. I'll take care of that. Don't worry about those things. So number one, we see their, provision, or their priority to God, their provision from God. I'll be very quickly. Number three, their position in God. You know that 12 times in this, in this message, Jesus refers to them as their heavenly father? He says, I'm your, he refers to himself as their Heavenly Father. What is he doing? He's reminding them of their position in Christ. That as a child of God, as we go on through this life, as we go through the highs, the lows, the mountains, and the valleys, one thing we can't forget is that he's still our Father no matter what. He's our Heavenly Father. There's two things I want to remind you today that our position in Christ, number one, reminds us that we're loved. It reminds us that we're loved. I think one of the greatest forms of encouragement as a believer is just to remember that Christ loves us. It's just to remember that. Sometimes we get so caught up, so busy in, in, in the busyness of life, and, and we, we just go through the motions, and, and we get bogged down. You know, when I go through those things, you know what I read? I read about the cross. I'm reminded of how much God loves me. I'm reminded that because I'm a, I'm a child of his forever, that love will never change. Aren't you glad today that, that, that our love, uh, that his love for us and really our position in his family isn't based on our progress as a believer? 
or isn't based on our perfection as a believer, but it's really based because of what he did for us. So number one, it reminds us that we're loved, but I want to show you this. Number two, it reminds us that we're taken care of. That as he, as our father, promises to take care of his children. You know, my son, many of you had a chance to meet him. His name is Bryce. He's three years old. You know, never once in the three years, <laughs> never once in his three years of being alive has he ever asked me, Dad, am I going to have clothes to wear tomorrow? Or, Dad, am, are we going to have food tomorrow? Why has he never asked that? Not, not because Dad owns everything. <laughs> not because Dad's rich. My son's never asked me that question because that's not his responsibility to worry about. See, what do you mean by that? If we wake up tomorrow and we got no food, I'm not going to look at him and say, what's wrong with you? Why didn't you provide? If I wake up tomorrow and he wakes up tomorrow and there's no clothes for him to wear, I'm not going to blame him. That's not his fault. That's mine. That's my fault. Why? Because as his father, that's my responsibility to take care of my son. And I will do everything I can to take care of my son. Listen, and that's coming from a sinner. That's coming from a flawed father. And all throughout Scripture, all throughout the New Testament, all throughout the teachings of Jesus, we were reminded that as, as our heavenly father, he looks down on us and he, he looks down on us and, and, and he sees people created in his image. He sees people with value. He sees his children. He sees, he sees uh, boys and girls and men and women that he died for. And I'm reminded all throughout scripture that as our father, he promises to take care of us. He promises to meet our needs. And I'm going to close with this. Our position, uh, sorry, our, our, uh, our provision, from, our priority from God, our position, provision from God, our position in God. And lastly this, our promise from God. Look at verse 33. Look at verse 33. Uh, back up to verse 32. Sorry, Bible says this. For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Kind of an interesting phrase. Jesus says, when he refers to the Gentiles, he's referring to those who are apart from God. Who, are, who are, don't have that relationship with God. And he's saying this, that if you are apart from me, if you are not connected to me, those are the people that worry about those things. But if we flip it, if we are a child of God, if we have that relationship with God and he's our father... That characteristic should not be known of us. And then he goes on to say this, for your heavenly father, that phrase again, knows that you have need of all these things. And then verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. See, verse 33 is essentially a summary of the entire passage we've been talking about. Jesus summarizes this chapter in a way that man never could. He says, if we're going to conclude the matter, if we're going to give you something you can just pack up and take home with you, it's this. Seek me first and all these things will be added to you. Two things I want to show you. Number one, it's a conditional promise. That's an amazing promise. Listen, God, provide, God promises that all these things will be added to us, but it's conditional on us seeking him first. But secondly, it's this. It's not just a conditional promise. It's a complete promise. He says, all these things. Jesus doesn't go up there and say, seek me first and 90% of your worries I will take care of. But even if he did, I would take that promise. But that's not what he says. 
He says, seek me first and all those worries you have, I will take care of. But understand this, that when God provides for us, all, when he gives us all these things, there are some times in our life where that comes in abundance and we're overwhelmed and, and, and there's just so much that's come down and we feel it and it's a good season of life and we're praising God and we're thanking God and it's evident that he's worked in us. But there are times where God gives us all these things and it's just enough for today. It may not seem like a lot. <laughs> Say, God, is that really all you could give me? Is that, all, is, that all you, is that all I get? Listen, when God gives us something, understand that it is good and it is perfect. That's his love for you, what he gave you. He did that because he loves you. And so sometimes in life we get the, the truckload. It just unloads on us. But sometimes in life we surrender, we seek him, we follow after him, we sacrifice, we go through the trenches and God just gives us enough day by day. And it doesn't seem like a lot, but understand that when he gives that, that is perfect for you. So we see that there is a call to make him the priority. And then when we make him the priority, that's when the provision comes. And then Jesus reminds them that their position in God is that they are his child forever. And he's their father and he takes care of them. And then he closes this message with a promise. He says, listen, if you're going to remember anything... It's to seek me first, and then all these things will be added to you. So church, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if you're standing at that crossroads as I described. But can I say this confidently from Matthew 6, verse 32, that your heavenly Father knows. He knows. He knew about it before you did. And so tonight, can I encourage you? It doesn't have to be flashy or big but really, it could just be a prayer. Just say, Lord, forgive me for my doubt. Lord, help me to keep going. Help me to just obey you today. So church, really, if we, if we live that life, or as we say, Lord, if you lead, I will follow, it'll be neat to see where we'll be a year from now, two years from now, ten years from now, where this church will be a year from now. So I trust that from Matthew chapter 6, we found that comfort in the calling. Let's pray. Lord, thank you tonight for the truth of your word. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity uh, to present your words. And Lord, as you worked in my heart, I pray, Lord, that you worked in the heart of your people as well. Lord, we pray for your blessing on the closing of this service. And Lord, as we look forward to this week of Vacation Bible School, Lord, that you would, uh, each worker, each volunteer, you fill us with your spirit. Lord, that you would give us opportunities to share your love, share your goodness and your grace to these kids. And Lord, that would be much fruit from this week. Lord, bless us as we close the service. In your name we ask it.